Hello and welcome to Even the Trunchbull, our show about children's books and why we still love them as adults. She's Nina. They're Matt. And we think that children's books are for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the Trunchbull. Trunchbull. They're all mistakes, children. Filthy, nasty things. Glad I never was one. From Rural Dahl's beloved Matilda, despite her protestations. Each episode, we'll be reviewing one picture book and one chapter book. We're starting off with the books we read as kids, but if you've got a book you'd like us to review, especially if you are currently a kid, please get in touch. You can email us on eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter at trunchbullpod. And the theme for our first episode of this series is Magical Sleep. First up, we'll be talking about A Book of Sleep by Il Sung Na, and then we're reviewing a great, underrated classic, The Starlight Barking, which is a sequel to 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith. Do you want to tell us a bit about The Book of Sleep, Matt? Yes. Um, so The Book of Sleep, as the name suggests, is a book about sleep, basically. So we start with um, a little owl, a staring owl, who is just waking up as the sun goes down. This little owl going and visiting various animals as they as they nod off and then uh coming back to where they started from in Mm -hmm. uh, in the morning to doze off themselves um yeah yeah so it's very very simple um it's just a little tour of sleeping animals and i think it's really good for putting a child to bed. I mean, I would go really young with this. I mean, I wouldn't even put a lower age limit on it. It's for babies and toddlers that you're setting down to sleep. It's like, you're going to sleep, and so is everybody else. Yeah, Look, <laughs> and it is some quite people soothing. Do it like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it would you know, do the trick, for sure. Mm, it exists as an app as well. Yeah, and so, me I mean, and Matt have accessed it in lockdown as a YouTube video, which is free to watch, and we'll put it in the show notes. I had um, I had an issue with the app version. I mean, I've not tried it as an app, but I've watched the YouTube video of the app. Um, so my my issue with that right <laughs> is that in the book, you go around all of these animals who are sleeping in different ways. In the app, they go to sleep and then wake up again and it's really yeah they're moving really too much <laughs> the whole point is that like you're watching them go <laughs> to sleep but like you've got the penguins huddling <laughs> together that i think sort of you've got this main penguin in the foreground that sort of like closes its eyes and goes to sleep and then gets startled by like another penguin huddling into it and wakes up again and does this like two or three times it's just like this isn't soothing anymore. This is like... <laughs> no. The message of this now seems to be like, everything goes to sleep for like a second. And then startles awake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we would recommend the book over the app. Definitely. Um, it's it's very um accepting as well, isn't it? It's sort of, some people do it like this and some people do it like this because, you know, children also have all different ways they like to sleep some of them like to be wrapped up in a duvet really tight and some of them don't like to be covered at all and some of them like to sleep in with their parents or their siblings and some of them need to be in a dark room all by themselves it's like whichever way you do this is acceptable however you must go to sleep everyone must go to sleep even the staring (laughs) owl goes to sleep in the end which is your favorite 
Which is your favourite um, animal? The giraffe. Yeah, giraffe's mine as well. Where it's yeah. like one of them is just like a crescent-shaped bum and the others have got their necks up. Yeah. <laughs> it's really nicely drawn. Again, it's just it really is. simplistic yeah. kind of shapes yeah. and pictures. The art style's really nice. Lots of different interesting textures going on. Yeah. Makes me wonder if it's collage almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, different textures and mm-hmm. um, almost feels like sort of like wallpaper samples. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, who would you recommend this to, Matt? Well, I mean, I think as we've said, it's, you know, dead little ones, parents with dead little ones. I think uh, I yeah. can imagine it like I think it's got it's got like potential to become a sort of loved classic um, yeah. and probably one of those books that like when you're that little feel like huge in school compared to kind of what's actually mm-hmm. there because it sets up like loads of different little windows into worlds um, but yeah I think like kids from sort of dead little like one or even less than that probably up to about mm-hmm. three or something um, yeah until you start wanting yeah, more of a story yeah yeah it's really pretty like you won't mind picking it up every night to read it again and it won't take too long if yeah. you're <laughs> so like yeah. good one for parents of really little yeah, ones yeah. i think definitely i'm trying to remember all the animals you got you got the koalas in there you got your penguins you got your giraffes the fish the fish, the fish don't even don't close even their blink. eyes yeah it's it's quite educational about different kinds of animals as well you know like it might not seem apparent that the fish are sleeping because their eyes are open but they do and the whales are still swimming along but they're sleeping it's sort of universal like all of these animals are different from you but everybody needs to sleep and everyone needs to rest and we all do it in our own special ways and you yeah and i guess you're kind of given a narrator in the owl who gets to see what things mm. are like at night, even though you can't. Yeah. So you... mm, that's really nice, isn't it? It's a good um, good character to follow for a child who's not, I mean, hopefully not going yeah. to stay awake all night wandering <laughs> around the zoo. Although, can you imagine how cool that would be if you were a toddler and you got to stay awake all night Nighttime looking at all the animals in the expedition. zoo? <laughs> Well, there's the sequel. That would be really cool. But this is, yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> um, it's really cosy. It's really pretty, um, simple. Yeah, Not have you got really, anything else no. to say about it? It's, yeah, it's dead lovely. It's really nice. I think it's kind of like, yeah, it's the new modern um, potential small kids book classic. Yeah. So now for something entirely different. So magical sleep. So we've got, you know, lovely animals nestling down to sleep in the various places in the world. Then, um, paired with that... um, We've got Starlight Barking by Dodie Smith. Yes. um, Mari uh, on Twitter, a friend of of mine from Newcastle, suggested 101 Dalmatians. Um, And you, Nina, went... I can do you one better yeah, than that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows 101 Dalmatians, right? 
And yeah, let's go for the weird younger sibling. Just in <laughs> case you didn't know 101 Dalmatians, one of my favourite things about this sequel is that the first couple of pages are just like a super quick recap of the yeah, 101 Dalmatians. Just in case. Like, hey, here's these dogs living in a house after this thing happened. Remember the thing with Cruella de Vil? And then they all like, they got captured <laughs> and they escaped. And they... And then, like, literally just, like, halfway down a page, paragraph break, and it goes, and now we can carry on with the new story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I read both of these when I was a kid, and I only had very vague memory of it. Like, I remember it's really funny and a bit sexist. Um, yeah, so then I went back to it, and there's so much more there than what I remembered. Um, a quick synopsis. So, I mean, we've discussed spoilers with this, haven't we? So in yeah. this synopsis, we're going to take you so far of the way through. Um, I think towards the end of this episode, we are going to discuss the ending because it just, it, it bears a lot of discussion. And mm-hmm. the book is 53 years old, so I don't think it's too soon. Um, no, you've had yeah. time. You've had your chance. <laughs> but we will, we will sort of put a point where we'll say right um this next bit is the real spoiler if you want to go away and read it first but yeah i think what's not too much of a spoiler is to introduce it the way that you introduced it to me nina which was um uh imagine 101 dalmatians sequel comes out 11 years later and it's got aliens in it yeah um (laughs) So so she's done a complete genre shift. Yes. She's like, you like cute puppies? How do you like philosophy? Yeah. <laughs> and metaphysics. <laughs> and sci-fi. <laughs> and metaphysics. <laughs> okay, so this is the sequel to The 101 Dalmatians. It's the same family. It's Pongo and Mrs. and all of their puppies. At this point, there are hundreds of Dalmatians, descendants mostly of Pongo and Mrs. living in Hell Hall with the Dearlies. And Pongo is just thinking about his life. It's so nice, but I do wish we had some adventures like we did in the old days. And, you know, lo and behold, the dogs all wake up one morning and they can't wake any of the humans. None of the humans will wake up. The cats won't wake up. Nobody who isn't a dog wakes up. And so they're very alarmed. Um... They run over to the next farm to see if their humans are awake and they're not. Um, And while they're there, they hear their daughter Cadpig. And they're like, that's funny. Cadpig lives in London. She's our most famous daughter. She's the Prime Minister's dog. She must be um, sending us a message through the chain of barking dogs called um, the Starlight Barking. And... Uh, Mrs. goes, no, it actually sounds like Cadpig. And Pongo's like, don't be ridiculous, dear. And then Cadpig's like, no, it's me. I'm just sending you my thoughts. That's the thing we can do now. Um, (laughs) Come to London. I need you. And they're like, how are we going to get to London? 60 miles away. And she's like, oh, if you need to come to London, you just swoosh here. And they're like, what? And they're like, haven't you realised? We can swoosh. You just think forward thoughts and you fly forward. It's very metaphysical. This is where the word metaphysical is introduced in the book. And Pongo and Mrs are like, metaphysical? We don't know that word. Um, But Mrs can swoosh and she shows Pongo how to do it. 
And so then they go back to Hell Hall, where all the dogs are milling around being quite worried because the humans won't wake up. But they find that none of them are hungry or thirsty, so they don't actually need the humans to wake up because they're all feeling perfectly contented and not even that worried. Um, so they put together a regiment of Dalmatians to go to London and on they swoosh down the roads, hovering above the road at quite a fast clip, all thinking their forward thoughts and trying not to feel worried. They get to London. Cadpig has assembled her cabinet, which is comprised of all of the dogs of the human members of the cabinet, and they're trying to work out what's happening. Um, but Mrs. thinks maybe it's something to do with Cruella de Vil, so they decide to go and investigate her house. But it's not her. Then they come back to Downing Street, and Cadpig's like, not everybody can do this thought-barking thing. I wish we could use the TV to broadcast me, because all the dogs like seeing Cadpig on TV. So they're thinking about the TV, and then the TV switches on, it's all staticky, and it goes... So the screen turns on um, and then becomes a really, really bright light um, and assumes the shape of a star. Mrs. cried, Pongo, the dream I had last night. I saw a bright light that turned into a star. And it was this star. It was high above the stable roof. Do you mean you woke and saw it through the window? said Pongo. The stars were very bright last night. No, no, mine was a dream star. It was much bigger and brighter than a real star. It was this star. Yes, missus, it was this star, said a voice from the screen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so should we stop there with the synopsis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think probably that's probably about the place to stop. Yeah, so there's some clear themes in this like some ideas that I keep coming back to. Um, so I said, when I read 101 Dalmatians when I was a kid, the girl dogs are all really stupid and the boy dogs are all really clever and Mrs. was the butt of every joke. And what I think is Dodie Smith like, came back to the story 11 years later and was like, that was a bit sexist. Let me introduce a cool, clever girl dog. And so she came up with Cadpig. Cadpig is my favourite character. She's hmm. so obnoxious and pompous, but she's also so clever, like <laughs> bossy. So she um, has wormed her way into the cabinet, like into the prime minister's life by refusing to leave once when she was accidentally brought there by Mr. Dealey. Um, well, it wasn't it wasn't accidentally, was it? It was Mr. Dealey's like a financial advisor of the government. Yeah, but she wasn't supposed to come in the car. So much. <laughs> Well, she, what, yeah. she just hopped in? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so the government's got themselves in so much debt, they call Mr. Dealey down. And then as soon as the door to number 10 is opened, Cadpig bounds in and just starts, like, um, I mean, literally sucking up to the yeah. Prime Minister. She climbs into the his lap. That, like, she won't get off. Yeah. She hides her head in his when, chest when she has to leave. Yeah, when it's time to leave, she just, like, wraps her paws around his yeah. neck and starts, like, whinging. <laughs> and then the Prime Minister's like, oh, can I keep her? <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Dealey's like, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> She's your dog now. Yeah. 
And then all of the other cabinet members get dogs because the prime minister's popularity goes up so much. Yes, for a dog. because Cadpig's so cute. Yeah. Um, she's slightly smaller than your average Dalmatian, which means she fits on his lap. But she's otherwise a perfect specimen of the breed. Which we've got to come on to that. The eugenics in this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that people breed dogs, you know, to like have certain characteristics, and there is eugenics. And I wonder if she's making a commentary about that, that it's a bit weird that we do this to dogs. So, I mean, it, it feels like she's making quite a lot of political points in this. Um, and I guess this is one she does come back to towards the end. But, I mean, the most stark example is um, Patch, who has oh a my patch, God, patch. On his, patch on his ear, who has been led to understand and accept that he shouldn't take a wife so as not to pass on his um, his patched ear. Um, yeah, in, because that wouldn't be good breeding. for the breed. But yeah. rather than marry, he becomes an uncle to all puppies and he was very happy with the arrangement. <laughs> which he doesn't mind. Which he do, You know, he doesn't mind that. That's good of him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very, very generous of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just very offhand. Like, oh yeah, of course you shouldn't have kids because you've got a donkey ear. Like, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's leave yes, that out of the gene pool. The class stuff with the Staffy I thought was very interesting. So yeah. there's this Staffy who's a recurring character from the last book who helped the baby puppies escape in the last book. And he's very anti-Cruella de Vil. So when they break into Cruella's house to see if she's got anything to do with the mysterious sleeping, he's all like, let's bite her. And the, and, but the purebred dogs are like, oh no, you cannot shoot a sitting grouse or something. <laughs> like, like they're landed gentry or something. And they've got this code of ethics that this, you know, like scrappy street dog who doesn't have qualms about biting humans wouldn't understand, but they smooth it all over. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I'd never realised that you weren't a biter, uh, that you weren't supposed to shoot a sitting grouse." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like with the class thing, it doesn't feel to me like a writer who's going, "Ha, huh, stupid common dog doesn't know." About no, I don't grouse. think she is. No, like it's more a comment on the upper class, if anything, and like yes. the daftness of that code. Okay, well, in the first book, in Hundred and One Dalmatians, it's. It's extremely simplistically, like, Mrs. is the butt of every joke. She's just, like, really not very bright. And that's yeah. kind of a whole character. Whereas I feel like Dodie Smith has done something interesting in this book. She's set up that, like, okay, Pongo may have more intelligence, but she has instinct. She's really good at the metaphysical stuff. Like, she's she's the first one to work out swooshing. She's the first one to work out high swooshing, which is basically flying. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's such a stupid book. <laughs> oh, it's come great. on, it's not stupid. No, it's great. No, but it is. Sorry. It it really, really is. Like it's it's great and it works and I can totally see what she's done. But it is a stupid book. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um But so what they've done is they've set up this um she set up this um, binary between instinct and intelligence and yeah. uh, Pongo says that he relies on Mrs. Instinct because the cleverer he gets 
the more his instinct gets blunted, and so he's relying on misses yeah, throughout the book for like effect. Yeah, there's a yeah. bit in there like Brainy is like being able to figure things out with reason, and intuition is knowing things without having to reason them out. Yeah, which and is she's what much more Mrs. comfortable with got. that. Yeah, like she's sort of like, well, I sort of feel like it's all right, so I'm just gonna go with it. Um, yeah, Pongo's like, yeah. well, her instinct is good, so I'm gonna try and go with it. Yeah, which I thought was quite good and interesting. Um, but I wanted to talk about so their powers—they can fly and they can open doors, and basically anything that they need to happen happens. And I think this is a very interesting thing about like, what do you mean by need? So they go back to their old house in London where the puppies were born just to have a look, basically. And the doors won't open because they don't need to see in there. But when they go to Cruella's house, everything opens for them, even though she's not the one doing it, because somehow they need to know that it's not her. Yeah, and it says that specifically, doesn't it? As Pongo's sort of saying, like, how come the doors opened if it wasn't her? And yeah. Mrs. says, because we needed to know that we didn't need to go there. Yeah, that we didn't um, have to worry about her. And this is not the focus of this story. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, they can do they can do whatever they want as long as they can imagine it clearly. But also as long as, as, long it's as they determined need to. by this higher power. Yeah, as long as like whatever necessary. is controlling everything thinks that they need it. Yeah. So, shall we move on to the spoilery bit where we find out what's determining everything? Yeah, let's do that. It's is it a satisfying reveal? Is satisfying the right word? It's a reveal anyway. It'll <laughs> it, um but anyway, if yeah. you want to enjoy that, stop here, go away and read the book, come back and listen at the ending. Yeah. Um if if you just want to dive on in and, and find out what's behind all of this swooshing sleepy madness then <laughs> let's roll just on stay through. right where you are <laughs> we in the synopsis we got up to the point where the te- television starts talking to the dogs what it says to Cadpig, as prime minister of dogs is get everyone to trafalgar square at midnight Dogs out in the countryside, go to your main, like, open space. Everybody needs to congregate and be ready at midnight. So they're like, why? And then the voice says, Now each of you may ask one question, but that question mustn't be what's going to happen. Instantly, Pongo, Mrs and Cadpig felt that was the one question they wanted to ask. Hurry up, said the voice. Pongo (laughs) Pongo said, who are you? Oh, that would be like telling you what's going to happen. Wait and see, Pongo. Wait and see. Cadpig says, If I need your help, how can I call you? You can't. You must manage on your own. Now your question, Mrs. And be quick. In five seconds, I shall leave you. (laughs) Mrs. tried hard to think of something really important to ask, but she couldn't. And already the star was less brilliant. At last she said, What's happened to Roly-Poly? As far as she knew, he was still on the loose in London with George, the foreign secretary. Oh, that fat, funny son of yours, said the voice. (laughs) I'm afraid I can't see him at the moment, and I haven't time to look for him. I have to make appearances all over the world. See you at midnight. The star vanished, (laughs) leaving the screen empty. (laughs) Why give them questions at all? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) 
Just like, ah, lol. <laughs> ask a question if you want to, but... <laughs> not going to answer you. Don't expect any kind of satisfying answer. See you later on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's happened. So they all they all go to Trafalgar Square. Um, all the dogs And it London. feels really special. And they're yeah. all sort of waiting. And there's loads of dogs in London, because basically at the beginning of all this crisis cad pig has sent thought waves out to dogs like all over the country being like come to london and then yeah. they all get there and Although, they're like why, why are we in london and she's yeah. like ah just don't really know actually <laughs> so like there's loads and loads of dogs in london they all gather in trafalgar square and then the same star that they've seen on the television and in their dreams descends from the sky and lands on the top of nelson's column yeah and then there is uh, there is complete darkness and everyone feels really unsettled. Yeah. And then they have this brief moment of like complete happiness. Yeah. And warmth. And then this star appears. Yeah. And the star appears as the more to a dog that looks like themselves. So to the Dalmatians, it looks like a Dalmatian. To the Great Dane, it looks like a Great Dane. To the Mongols, it looks like a mongrel. Everybody sees themselves represented in this and... star dog. And the dog and the star says, "I am Sirius, the dog star." Lol. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> so, what does the dog star want? The dog star has come to offer all of the dogs on Earth um, a deal. Which is why he's put everybody else to sleep and given them all these powers, um, so that he can. So he's watched them from afar for such a long time and loved them, and mm. now that the bomb is approaching, 1967, 1967, the bomb is approaching. He feels like he finally has an excuse to come and rescue them. Although yeah. he's being honest, he's being selfish because he just wants them all to come and live with him. Yeah, and so he's always wanted. Him, He's always wanted all dogs to live on the dog star with him, but he's never thought he had the right to interfere. But now, now, that, he does. now that humans are literally twaddling up their own planet, he's like, right, this is my in. Yeah, this is my excuse. So on he comes and he's like, if you decide to come with me, and mind you, it does have to be all of you. It's all of you or none of you for no reason. So, um, yeah, that's never really explained. <laughs> it has to be a majority decision. Yeah. Um, like the general election, thinks Cadpig. <laughs> it is. It's like their Brexit, isn't it? Yeah, except it's not first past the post, is it? It is more like Brexit. So, yeah. Yeah. 54% <laughs> would do it. Yeah. So, um, they can all come with him, and if they do, the humans just wake up the next day, and there will never have been dogs, and they won't remember that there were dogs, and they'll carry on with their lives... And the dogs will live with Sirius on the dog star in, in eternal bliss, bliss yeah. like what they experienced after the fear. Yeah, because they're like, oh, what was bliss? And it's like, oh, that little, when you felt really good just before, that was bliss. And they're like, oh, that was nice. I like that. Yeah. Give me some more bliss. Yeah. So they've got this choice. And Pongo, so either, yeah, again. Either they stay on Earth and carry on as normal. Yeah. Or they go, or they go in... to the dog star. And live in bliss. And live in bliss. Yeah. And Pongo is, for no reason, nominated 
as the spokesperson, the spokes dog for all dogs. Well, it's because he he's off... the brainiest dog in the world. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is the bit that's <laughs> never explained or justified because he's clearly not. So he goes off into the National Portrait Gallery with his cohort of dogs to have a think about it. And they're his really torn. His family in the cabinet, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, half of them really do want to go. Hmm. But Cadpig can't imagine leaving the Prime Minister. But if someone else were to decide that she was going, she'd be all right with going, basically. So they're having a lot of trouble deciding. And then these two dogs come in. This massive well, the, Great Dane. The Great Dane, yeah. The Great and the Dane Chihuahua. Yeah. The Chihuahua's riding on his back. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we've um, got some just gentle, like, breed of dog mockery. Where yeah. the Great Dane's like, what a ridiculous name and for a dog and what a ridiculous way to look. But oh, I can't help it. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right, really. Yeah. And so they're like, don't you feel we're being tricked? He made us feel frightened and then he made us feel good. We're being manipulated. Like, to me, he looks like a Great Dane. To my pal, he looks like a Chihuahua. Um, you know how humans say that a liar is two-faced. This dog, Sirius, has a hundred faces. We can't trust him. Hmm. And the dogs are like, oh, I don't know. I think maybe he's just trying to, like, empathise with everyone and make everybody comfortable. Mm, um, mm. So they're leaning towards saying. And then some stray dogs run in. Um, and then they're like, oh, no, we've got to go for the stray dogs because they've got terrible lives on Earth, you know. Yeah. And we've got to leave for them because we're lucky dogs. We've got a nice home and nice pets. But yeah, like, and Pongo's just been about swayed by the Great Dane to be like, "All right, cool, we're staying." Yeah, and then but then these he feels three like we have to come leave. in, and like you yeah. said, that if anyone's got anything they wanted to say, they should say it, and we speak on behalf of all strays. And Pongo's yeah. like, "Ah, man, like they're gonna say they want to go," and I can't, you know, rightly stop them. Can't turn them down. Yeah. But then, so he goes, oh, I suppose you want to go. And they're like, no, 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 we don't want to go yet. Which starts yeah. me thinking, is serious for heaven for dogs? That they think they'll go there when they die. We don't want to go there yet because we still have hope of a good life with a human family here on Earth. And we want to have that. We don't want, and uh, Pongo goes, but if you went to Sirius, you would all be Siriuses. And they're like, it's not the same. We want our own special yeah. human and even though our first humans were not good to us we loved them and we want to love someone like we love them yeah <clears throat> and so they decide to stay and Sirius <clears throat> is like the humans don't deserve your loyalty but your loyalty is admirable i see now it could never have been any other way now dash home all of you by the time the sun rises all of your powers will be gone i have a long way to go and off he goes and they Which all have to run home yeah, which is the bit where Pongo starts. Pongo realizes that Roly Poly is missing, and decides to say nothing about it. They do constantly lie to each other throughout, don't they? Yes. What like... an interesting relationship they have. <laughs> <laughs> like Pongo's always um, hiding stuff from her so that she won't worry, including that their son is missing. At the end, they have to keep going, and they're not allowed to turn back. Right, so they're in a bit of a race. Because once the sun rises, all of their powers will be gone. So if they're stranded somewhere that's not their home, and they're not wearing collars, any of them, then they'll just be stuck. They'll be lost. 
Pongo realises that Roly Poly, who is the stupid fat son, <laughs> every time <laughs> he's mentioned, it's mentioned that he's fat as well as stupid. And he's yeah. been like hanging around with like the foreign secretary's dog. But they've been off together and Pongo's like, ah, oh, nah, really poorly's not with us. If Mrs. finds out, she'll want to stop and go back. So I'll just, like, I'll not get everyone into file because she'll notice straight away. I'll just, like, we'll just start. We'll just go. And Mrs. is like, oh, I feel like there's something we're forgetting. I can't figure out what it is. And he's like, ah, oh, maybe just don't think about it. And maybe if you yeah. do remember it, like, don't worry about it. Like, maybe just keep going <laughs> no matter what. Maybe just, like, don't ruin everything for your stupid fat son. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, when she remember, like, halfway there, she, like, remembers <laughs> that's what's missing and sort of goes like, oh, oh, my God. And he's like, shut up, keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Just don't, just don't stop. Shut up. Yeah. And yeah. He- Their relationship is mad. But they're doing this to each other constantly, like... Mrs. suspects that Cruella de Vil has had a hand in this sleeping sickness. Yeah. And so she wants to go and check out Cruella's house to see what's going on there. She doesn't say anything to Pongo. She's just like, oh, I just have a feeling that we need to be over here. I won't talk to you about my suspicions until I've spoken to the cat. Why? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a relationship that's slowly breaking down, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, the reasoning behind it always makes complete sense. Like Pongo's reasoning for leaving Roly Poly behind is like it's, it's harsh, but like it makes sense because it's kind of like cutting one off to save everyone else kind of thing. But like it's just the way it's just the sort of like complete um, dismissal <laughs> of each other. Like, oh no, I can't. Yeah. I kind of tell them about it. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll ruin everything. <laughs> it's like, what are you... So they've got this dynamic, which is this uh, commentary on straight couples. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything will be fine as long as we don't talk to each other yeah. about anything that yeah. matters. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all running home. They're swooshing home. All, all the stray dogs immediately go to Battersea Dogs Centre. Yeah, I love that bit. <laughs> <laughs> all of them run into yeah. Battersea Dogs' home while they can open doors. Like, can you imagine the humans the next morning? Like, there's hundreds like, more dogs in the dog Sealand home. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> they're all hoping for a good future. Yeah. <laughs> They've all Jesus, just voluntarily come and put themselves in the cages. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> so anyway, they go home. Roly Poly's still missing with the foreign secretary. No, he shows up though, doesn't he? He shows up midway through the journey. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Mum, I've got to tell you about my adventures." And Pongo's like, "Shh, not now, you two. We have to focus all our energies on swooshing forward." Yeah, and they keep whispering to each other, and he's like, "Stop whispering. Think forward thoughts." <laughs> like, yeah. He's a he, he, yeah. He's really mean at the end, actually. He is. Yeah. Um, but they they get home and there's just enough time for a little quick conversation in which Roly Poly tells Mrs. that um, the foreign secretary, because of, you know, quarantine laws, 
never got to go abroad with his pet, so they decided, since they could swoosh, to swoosh across the channel and go yeah. hang around in Paris for a bit, so that's what they did. Um, and they saw Sirius <clears throat> on top of the Eiffel Tower, and it was a great adventure. The yeah, end. Yeah. So there's, there's a <laughs> spin-off to be written. I mean, yeah, Roly Poly and George the Boxer. Yeah, <laughs> in Paris. He's like, you should have seen how George got on with the ladies. Like, ooh la la, he went. Yeah, <laughs> the lady dogs. With the lady dogs in Paris. And Mrs. is like, oh, I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> and so then everybody's back in their baskets, um, and Mrs. says to Pongo, "Oh, mm. you know what? I feel hungry for my breakfast." And isn't that nice? And now I can look forward to my breakfast. Because yeah. the thing I've been thinking about that bliss is you'd get used to it. And in the end, you wouldn't feel it anymore. It's nice to have your needs, anticipate them and then have them met. Yeah, yeah. Because she's the a big philosopher of the book. was like, needs, needs met are better than no needs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it is. It is interesting because it was like it's genuinely tense. Like you spend most of the book kind of going, "I what on earth is going on here?" And then you've got this end bit where they're trying to decide whether to go or not. Yeah. So like, is Sirius right? Well, it's should they it, go with him? It's inter- It's really interesting, isn't it? Like this was yeah. going to be one of my questions. Would you go? Yeah. Well, no, because I think. I th- I I'm also swayed by the stray dogs. I think yeah. it's an interesting commentary on dogs, isn't it? And like <laughs> what they would, you know. I guess they behave the way human we humans would hope they would behave if they were given this choice. But maybe yeah. they would just go. Mine would go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I would go when I just graduated uni. One of the first sort of theatre projects I did was about um, the Mars One project. Mm-hmm. It was a big thing a few years ago. They were going to do the first manned mission to Mars, but it was only going to be one way and people applied with like videotapes and it was going to be like a reality TV show to see yeah, who got to go to Mars that, and that yeah. was going to fund it. And it was um, So we were doing this show about that and like one of the things we were asking ourselves was like, you know, would we go to Mars? And the other two were going, absolutely not, it's crazy. Um, I had, like, just graduated uni, was, like, back home, didn't know what on earth was going on, was, like, in one of the lowest points of my life. And I was like, yeah, mm. you know what? I would right now. I wouldn't yeah. like anything right now. So I think it, it partly depends, like, where it catches you. But, yeah. But also, like... Re- certainly rereading it, I was feeling like I wouldn't go because similarly to the Great Day, and I'm just like I, d- I don't trust Sirius. Like, yeah, he's yeah. just a bit sort of, he's a bit fiddly. Like I was well, sort it's of think- very manipulative to give them all that moment of terror and fear yeah. to then appear in like a blaze of light and give them bliss. He's very manipulative. It's very theatrical, I guess. But at the but- same time, like I definitely felt sorry for him. Yeah. I thought it was quite well played in that way. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. felt, like, pity. Yeah, he's serious, really like, lonely. I think he was just trying his best. Yeah. But also, I wouldn't be, like, completely surprised if I was one of those dogs. 
if you were like, yeah, let's go for it. And it was like, right, great, you're all coming with us. And you get up there and he's just like, it's just like a sort of manky bed sit. And he's like, well, I haven't got any shopping in yet, but like, it'll be great, honestly. You don't want to... <laughs> you think you know he's I mean? a scammer? No, not a scammer. He's just like, oh, no, it'll be, it'll be cush. Like, we'll get all the, like, we'll figure, we'll figure out the finer details once we get up here. But I will just have all the dogs come live with us. It's like... Your place isn't that big. It's like, oh yeah, no, but I'm I'm working on this like outhouse out the back and that. And it's like there's <laughs> billions of us, man. It's like, yeah, yeah, but no, just give us a couple of weeks and it'll be grand. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a very interesting character. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't really trust him either. I think his intentions are good. Yeah. Um and he is right that like the humans may well destroy the planet and all the dogs. Um, but he's not really there to save the dogs. He's really there to make friends. He's really there because he's lonely. And the fact that he appears to them all, like, he sounds to Pongo like Mr. Dearly, and he sounds to Mrs. Yeah. like Mrs. Dearly. He sounds like their favourite human. He doesn't it, sound like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. It's and quite it's paternalistic just kind of, as well. It's the pure logic and the pure sort of, oh, if I do this, they'll want to do this. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a star. He doesn't know how real dogs work. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a bit star. scary. He's quite he scary. Is, well, he is a bit, yeah. Well, because, I mean, it, yeah, like, he literally gets inside their minds, like... Yes, you know. it's very invasive. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's sort of driving them to this point all day long. Like when the TV turns on, he's like, oh, that was a very clever thought of you, Pongo, turning the TV on, even if I did put the thought in your head. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you did what? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, well, you know, I needed someone to turn the TV on, so I just made you think to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very um, authoritarian and paternalistic, isn't it, the yeah. heaven that he's yeah. offering them? It's sort of yeah. quite of anti-autonomy. Although he does, he says, you know, majority decision, you can all come or you can all stay. Why won't he just take some of them? I don't know. I g <laughs> like, is it just like the admin? Because like the... the <laughs> it's the true. Option... Are you wiping the human's memories of all dogs or not? Well, that's it, isn't it? Because yeah. if, if everyone decides to go, he's like, right, cool. So we just like everyone wakes up tomorrow and there have never been any dogs. Yeah. Like, I don't. Maybe it's that, that it's like, I can't really swing it so that it's like, mm. we wake up tomorrow and there are significantly less dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but... but he doesn't do anything about the Battersea Dogs home where there are significantly more dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I also love as well, the thing I've just remembered, is um, a fun little insight into the mentality at the time in 1967 when... Um, they're talking about the wars and stuff and they're debating this and and uh, one of them's going, yeah, he's right though. Like I've heard a lot of people talking about like the bomb threat and it seems a real worry. Um, <clears throat> and another one goes, I can't remember who it is, but one of them goes like, oh, well, actually my owner's a scientist and he reckons that the next war will all be fought in space and we'll be fine down here. So we might actually be in more danger on the dog stuff. Yeah. Which is like, oh, wow, bless you, 1967. 
I know. Because <laughs> it was like the. It's, it's right before the moon landing. It's right before the moon landings, and I think everyone genuinely thought at the time, like, right, we're gonna, you know, gonna get to the moon in the next few years, and then by the nineteen eighties, we'll be on Mars. Um, yeah. By the nineteen nineties, we'll be in the next star system, and then onwards and upwards, like. Yeah. And in that way, it's a brilliant time capsule. It is actually, yeah. It says yeah, so yeah. much about its time, you know, and specifically what Dodie Smith thought about that time. <laughs> but, you know, that now, if you wrote that now, it wouldn't be about the bomb. It would be about environmental disaster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, instead of, like, being a... Cruella would be making iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. DeVille would own the factories out in the far east yeah 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 it's very of its time but it's it's an easy read it's well told um yeah in a way it is dated but it's not become inaccessible at all no having read it as a kid in the 90s or early 2000s i really enjoyed it on the level that i could enjoy a book then i, I thought that the flying dogs was really funny that you yeah. know the dogs flying backwards into each other by accident because i thought backward thoughts was like, it probably it's quite slapsticky as well. Yeah, because I guess what she's done that we've maybe overlooked reading it as adults, like if you're framing it as a book for kids, it's like a fun, silly book yeah. where it's like, ooh, dogs flying around and stuff, that then at the end is like, yeah. right, kids, here is the problem with the world. It's yeah. you. <laughs> Change that. It's bringing home quite a stern political global point on the back yeah. of... And I think that still carries, as you say, like yeah. the messages that it's bringing at the end, whilst from a previous time, slightly depressingly, are still very, very yeah. relevant. Yeah. But you know why I think it hasn't aged much is because none of the cars are working. So, like, in a way, it doesn't matter what technology humans have in this story because none of That's it's working. That's true. Yeah, because it's alien technology. Yeah. It's otherworldly yeah. technology all the way through it. Um. You know, and, with the exception of the television. Yeah. It doesn't really use much human text. It doesn't really matter where humans are in their technological development. As yeah. long as there's a cabinet and tractors. It works. I really so, yeah. enjoyed this book. I really enjoyed coming back to it. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Read it as an adult, definitely. But also I think it's completely within the grasp of, like, kids in later primary school. Yeah. Yeah, like eight, I'd nine, say sort of ten, like eleven, eight or nine upwards. Yeah. 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 Give it a read. It's crackers. Yeah. <laughs> Ask yourself: Would you go to the dog star? Would you go to the dog star or the? Tweet us and let us know. <laughs> human star, if that's the. I suppose that's just the. And let's not get bogged down in stars or big balls of burning gas. You don't. No, I mean you. no. Let's not. You know what we mean. <laughs> would you go to the happy, blissful place? Yeah. Or would you slog it on out in good old pandemic earth? <laughs> so it's been a pleasure being back for series two. <laughs> yeah, this is our first first season that we've uh, that we've started recording in in pandemic. So, yeah, I really um, miss recording in person with you, Matt. I miss that Especially too. Especially with too. the technical difficulties we've had today, but it's been lovely 
discussing these books with you today. I've really but enjoyed I've, it. I've missed doing it, not in person, also I've just missed doing it all together. So it's lovely to be back. Yeah. And it's uh, going to be lovely to start putting these out again. And, and keep sending us your recommendations. I mean, this yeah, was almost a recommendation. It was, yeah. We will either take your recommendations, not take your recommendations, or go, ah, I see your recommendation, and I raise you X. So that was episode five of Even the Trunchbull. Thanks for listening. Once again, if you've any thoughts on books you loved as a kid... Or love now as a kid... Let us know, or ask a grown-up to let us know. We're at eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter at trunchbullpod. Intro music for this episode and every episode is What a Wonderful Day by Shane Ivers. And remember, kids' books can be for everyone because we've all been kids. Even the Trunchbull. Even the Trunchbull. trunchbull.